Oh God, what if they just remade Mad Men, but the all that they changed was that they're a vape marketing company now? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, what if they changed Mad Men, but all they changed was the cigarettes are vapes? That's the joke. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's way better. And then Don Draper writes a letter to and publishes it in the New York Times about how he's quitting vaping. And it, yeah. and it, it ends on a, it ends with him going a, to a retreat on the roof of that vape shop on Sunset. Uh, which I believe is vape ape. to everyone the best pods to cast are free it's i think you'd be into it the best podcast for you and for me the podcast in spring this is from the flowers that spring the movies (laughs) that shine they're yours and they're mine and pods will cast for everyone the best <laughs> usual, pods sure in this life is great for are these. hi everybody welcome to i think you'd be into it the podcast about your problematic faves i'm your host brandon beck i'm your host beth scorzato and if you couldn't tell from that intro like probably most people we're here to talk this week about mad men <laughs> <laughs> i thought about that in the car and was like oh i'm gonna sing the entire burt cooper song and it's gonna be fucking great <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, just... welcome to our guest, Kaylee Quick. Hello. Oh, I'm so Hello. happy to just nerd out on Mad Men. I'm so excited. We're here for it. We're here for you. We're ready. You may know Kaylee from her work at the Pack Theater, uh, where she's on the sketch team Brutus, um, and is often on like Wizarding World, or you've maybe even seen her do music stuff with me. Either way, she's super fucking talented. Oh, thanks. Uh, how you, so how you doing? It's uh, still half, Good. still deep into quarantine at this point. Yeah, well, we're both, we're both simultaneously quarantine. almost done with it and also about to still be in it. <laughs> yup. Yeah, because, you know, time is a flat circle yeah. and truly doesn't matter anymore. Well, I, was see, on the, I was talking with a friend the other day or today. <laughs> see. I, I don't even know what time is. And she was like, time's canceled. It's totally canceled. <laughs> yeah, time's a construct. That's my favorite thing to yell on New Year's Eve, right <laughs> at midnight. Just yell time is a construct. That's not a joke. I'm that kind of asshole. Um, mm. But yeah, as this when this episode comes out, it will be sometime in July, I believe. And so we uh, may or may not still be in quarantine as on the day oh. we are recording is the day that yeah. we were supposed to be done with stay at home on Friday, but now they're talking about extending it to July. Not that even if it had ended on Friday, my ass has anywhere to go or a job anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. right? But same. Hey, remember when we had industries? Yeah, industries were they were a thing that we had. Um, I have some sad news for the listeners who are gonna be hearing this. I know, I saw you post about this last (laughs) night, and I was like, oh no, maybe I should move it up. But nobody's going to have time before June 10th anyway. I'm trying to get in one more viewing, but basically Netflix Netflix is taking 
Mad Men down uh, on June 10th. It, I mean, is it like a way to celebrate fucking Dick Whitman's birthday? Is that why they're taking it down? I don't know, but I'm really upset. Hmm. I'm going to have to like tease this episode with like a like a pre-teaser. Be like, by the way, we're going to talk about this in a month. Watch it now. <laughs> What if what yeah. if they just replaced it with that TWA show and that Playboy man uh, that no. Playboy Bunny show <laughs> or the Playboy <laughs> Club show? Yeah, the Playboy Club show. Oh my god, not the same. Not when the I, same at all. When I was in no. grad school, our classes were at Steiner Studios, uh, and we were there the semester they were shooting uh, Pan Am or TWA or whatever that fucking thing was called. And they're it was called Pan Am, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. I, I never saw it. It was. Probably. I love Christina Ricci. She's great. I love Christina Ricci. I thought it was delightful, and they had some really, really good, like, fucking Pan Am bags um, at Comic-Con that year to promote it, and because oh, I was cool. working, I couldn't get one, and I was so mad. Ooh, I oh, I wanted one bad. so bad, and I saw some people with it, and now they're really expensive online. Of course. Of course they are. But you can get a USPS bag for, like, pretty cheap. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Their, their liquidation sale is going to start any day now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Aww. yeah, the costume department for Pan Am was right near our classroom. And as their shooting went on, it just started to spill out more and more into the hallway until the Period little pieces like, are hard, man. hallway area outside of our classroom was just filled with this jungle of like stewardess coats and, you know, ties as wide as the eye can see. <laughs> Period pieces are fucking hard. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I can't believe, though, that you're going to tell a story about how you had class at Steiner Studios and it's not the one about how you got to meet Mr. Popper's penguins. Oh, shit. I forgot we got to meet Mr. Popper's penguins. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's what it says. They were filming downstairs. Yeah, it's what it says on the 10. Uh, They were filming uh, and we just got to go and hang out with the penguins one day. Uh, and it was like one of our last classes before Christmas, and I think it had just snowed, and it was like fucking magical. Uh, we couldn't touch the penguins, but they were all just like so chill and didn't seem to give a fuck at all about people. But admittedly, they'd been dealing with Jim Carrey for however long at that point, so they were probably <laughs> used to it. Oh, this cat oh doesn't give God. a fuck. No. Y'all, the new podcasts are good. Yeah. All right, Brandon. What are you into this week? (sighs) You know what I'm into? I well, I'm not into the like gripping gut drop terror that happened about a minute ago when I realized, oh shit, I don't have a thing I'm into this week. Uh, (laughs) I can think of like three things that you're gonna name. Go ahead. Oh, ooh, ooh, (laughs) no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, This week, I am into. I said a minute ago. No, I've already done Wolfpack, haven't I? Yes, but they had a new album. Well, they have they have a couple new singles. The new album isn't out yet, but it, 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 I'm sure oh, it'll be okay. out at any point. No, I'm here to talk about the uh, cosmic soundscapes of one Mr. Les Baxter, specifically an album called Space Escapade, uh, which is an Exotica album from... Oh, I don't know, the 50s or 60s? Spotify says hey, 2010. it's on brand. Oh, it absolutely is. Spotify says it's, kinda, it's 2010. It's the kind of stuff wrong. you might hear in Mad Men. It super is. Like, uh, it, it, the cover of this album is two, like, space dudes with some, with, like, a yellow alien lady and a red alien lady who are just 
ladies that are painted and they all have cocktails. And it's Exotica is the only genre of music that just somehow sounds racist. Yeah. You think? This this <laughs> one this one not All so much though. Even this one that's supposed to be about outer space still somehow sounds racist. Oh come on, you can't be racist to the moon. <laughs> you certainly can. <laughs> you sure can. You um, can be anti-Martian. That is That would be Mars. Yeah. I know. Oh okay, well and to be fair, the the Moonanites have never really done much great for our country, so kick them out. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Know you know what? We went and walked on their land, planted a fucking flag in it like it was ours. It's the same shit that white people have Colonizers. been doing for eons. We colonized the fucking moon. They should be mad. Yeah, which is fair. And I guess that's probably why they came here uh, to steal the foreigner belt. Um, mm. Wow. If you're not familiar with that Aqua Teen episode... Me saying the phrase, they came here to steal the foreigner belt, let's kick him out of our country, is not great in a vacuum. I don't know what you're talking about. There yeah, was it's fine. Early Most people episode don't. of Aqua Teen You just gotta let him... I was in Boston when that happened. Oh, the yeah. There was a bomb scare uh, in like 2006 or seven. Adult Swim to promote the next season of Aqua Teen. They... Put a, what essentially looked like light brights of the uh, the Moonanites all over Boston, and one of them, the uh, Boston PD, was on, it was on a bridge, and they thought it was a bomb, and so it turned into this. Oh shit! There are all these like news stories about this bomb scare when like if you were watching it and knew what you were looking at, you'd just be like, "That's a that's a fucking Moonanite. That's from Aquatine." Which, yes. <laughs> As hell? a college freshman in 2007, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. But yeah, so that's... So that's uh, it, Brandon? You're into Exotica? Well, I, I'm specifically into Space Escapade by Les Baxter because it's 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 got that sort of like lush uh, production and, and tone, but it doesn't have the uh, racist musicality and instead is just like theremins and star sounds and it it's very good. Ooh, all it's, right. It's that like good. it's like the kind of stuff that they play in the background of like Ren and Stimpy. All right, I'm just really into this cat. Oh boy, he's so good, y'all. Idney. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's letting me pet him. I gotta cut Aww. his nails today. He's Ew. just like lounging next to me. I'm scratching his tongue. He's purring real loud. Oh, he's good. I, I is is Gil the shy one or Kentucky the shy one? Gil Faisan is the shy one, but he's he's my big, big, stupid baby. And so he is with me. Uh, he'll hang out with me. Yeah, no, Kentucky's the very um, incredibly bold one, the little gray and white one. And she's she likes Brandon, but Gil is the shy one. Gotcha. He's the one you probably didn't see. He's the big yeah, fat Gil's boy. Yeah, Gil's always hiding when I was um, pet sitting for you guys. Yeah, Gil's, yeah. The, Gil's the big fat boy. <laughs> he's the big boy. Too oh. much tuna. He does. He's grown unmistakably round. Let me see. Big man. <laughs> that's him licking the microphone. I, I, I gathered. I was like, that's a purr. That's a purr. That's a gross mouth sound. <laughs> Oh, and that is 100% going in. 
<laughs> Big bud. Oh, hell yeah. It's real low, but I know you can do. Yeah. I know I can see the wave. I can see the file. Yeah, no, I, th- I think we, I think we got it. That what a good boy. Edit in that boy purring. That's what I'm into this week. Uh, no, <laughs> I have to pick something. Um, oh, I'm into the dingus. I can't remember if I told the story about how stupid I am last week. I can't remember if I told the story about how stupid I am last I d- week. I, I feel don't like think I you did. did. I don't think you did. Okay, I feel like I told this story already about how stupid I am, and if that's true, you're gonna have to remember we edit these and then cut this out. But so, like, uh, when I redid everything, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some uh, space escapade music under it. But now continue. Great, do that. Um, so when I rearranged uh, the living room a co- like two months ago now, when quarantine started, uh, and I cleaned up my desk and everything, and I got it all set, one of the things I did was I gave myself a second monitor, and I was really excited about it because it's great because I like having noise and, and something on while I'm working, but the TV is like behind me from where the desk is. It was a perfect system, except for the fact that my computer sucks. Um, And so the computer just like couldn't handle having a second monitor and letting me work at the same time. Even if nothing was on the second monitor, it would still freak out. Like I couldn't use certain programs on the second monitor. It It was just a bad idea. So like two weeks ago, I decided that I was I had this brilliant idea, uh, well, we still have our old, like, second-generation Apple TV, why don't I hook that up to the monitor instead? Um, so that I can watch TV on the monitor and then still use my computer without my computer freaking out because it doesn't have enough memory. So I spent, like, two hours getting this all set up because, of course, the Apple TV had to be, like, manually reset in iTunes by connecting to my computer, and then I couldn't get the remote to connect, so I had to, like find one of the old remotes and get one of them to connect and change the batteries and then I had to connect it to my keyboard so that I could log in and then I couldn't log in. It was a whole thing. I finally get it all set up and I was really proud of myself and I was so happy and then I realized my fatal mistake and where I'm an idiot, monitors don't have speakers. Oh no. So I couldn't hear anything. But at this point I've spent like two hours on it and I was really mad about it. So I went and I like found this this little like box online. Um, which is what I keep referring to as the dingus, um, that would take, because of course, an Apple TV second generation's only audio output, it only connects to keyboards via Bluetooth, no headphones or speakers, and its only audio output is optical audio, a type of audio output that no one uses. A type of output that people haven't used since the 70s. Yeah, so... Uh, I found this box. I found a dingus online. I ordered it like two weeks ago. It took until today to get here because it wasn't an essential item, so Amazon wasn't shipping it. And it finally got here today. And it took me about another 45 minutes to get set up, but now it will take the audio signal, it'll take a hardwire audio signal out of the Apple TV into the dingus, and then the dingus will convert the sound to Bluetooth so I can listen to it on my headphones. So now I have my whole setup perfect how I want it, except that I spent those 45 minutes trying to get the headphones to connect to the Bluetooth dingus, and then I don't know, it just worked suddenly and I don't know why. And that doesn't sit well with me either, but it's where <laughs> we're at. And it's partially like why we started this call late because it it, it, but I didn't do anything different. It just suddenly worked. Yeah, you have a ghost. Yeah, um, so, uh, we, I don't know. That's part of the reason this call was late was because now I had to change the headphones to my computer so that we could have this call, but they kept jumping off back onto the dingus. And that's how I learned I had to turn the dingus off entirely. 
I don't know. Anyway, I'm really into having like a really perfect desk set up. I'm really happy with. And I know that that's abstract and doesn't help anybody out. But if you also have an old Apple TV and want to hook it up to a monitor, hey, y'all, I know how to do it now. Hit me up. Yay. <laughs> it's a $40 yeah. dingus. It wasn't too bad once I got it working. And it came with the cords I needed. That was it. Why? That's what I meant. Dingus was a thing. Like, it's not. Except- it's not a thing. Why do you need a $40 dingus when you've got a free dingus right here? Points to self. Hey. Yeah, he's been making that joke all week, too. But it's just, it's it's like a, I don't know, it's just like a thing. It's just another word for like a a little, a thing that you don't know a thing in the jig. It's a thing in the jig. You know, for kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, yeah. All right, Kaylee, do you have anything you're into this week? I'm into nothing. No. um, (laughs) That's fair. That's a fair no, answer. That, yeah. It's a joke. I have like three three simple things I'm into. Um, Hell yeah. So I'm into uh, water with lemon. Just downing it. I've just been downing it. I There were yeah. like two days where I didn't fucking meet or surpass my 100 ounces of water a day. And I woke up with severe neck pain. So drink water, y'all. Um, mm. Diet Coke is water, right? Yeah. Mm, Do we tell him? No. See, if I tell him Diet Coke isn't water, then he gets to argue with me that tea isn't water, and he's technically correct. Well, like a detox tea is probably as good as water, if not better. No, I'm just drinking Earl Grey. All right. That's caffeine. That's not gonna, yeah. I I actually had to get myself decaf tea bags. I don't believe, I've been on the record that I do not believe in decaf drinks because that's not the point. Except I do really enjoy drinking tea for the taste of tea. I don't drink coffee for the taste of coffee. So I had to get myself some decaf tea bags because uh, I drink a lot of tea. And I was like, this is bad. I can't, I need to have some decaf tea bags so I can drink them at night. I really (laughs) drink coffee for the taste of coffee. But here's what I'll say. Uh, and this is not to scare you, Brandon, but um, basically I've read that Diet Coke can give you strokes and drinking lemon water will prevent strokes. So they're kind of the opposite of each other. You know, I at the end of the day, I'm OK with that because I like the strokes, even though I'm more of a white stripes <laughs> guy. So like, whatever. I, it, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, worthwhile risk as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Okay, he loves well. recording these episodes because uh, he's been stuck in this house with me for two months, and I don't think his jokes are that funny when I haven't been quarantined with him. Nope. Yeah. So he's living on the feedback he gets from recording these. Yeah. I. I. I do. We do the show, and then I have to just go lie down for two hours. Oh my god. <laughs> just too to like keyed up. <laughs> um, All right. So we got lemon water. What else we, we got? got? Lemon water. We got, um, I just went and picked up my, this cool ass psychedelic, uh, mask by, um, designed by this musician, artist, and designer, Jen Awad, who is like one of the dopest, you should check out her music on Spotify, um, Jen Awad, A-W-A-D, um, like she writes really cool, modern, soul, classic, like pop songs which are just the best but she also decided to design these super cool um masks so i went and got one and i'm like living for it um and then also i just recently got this tarot deck a friend sent it to me and it's called the goddess tarot deck and it's got all these like 
um, powerful celebrity women on the cards representing the cards. So it's cool to have this like association with the cards. For example, you got Ruth Bader Ginsburg as the two of swords. J.K. Rowling is the Five of Cups. Julia Roberts is the Nine of Cups. Amy Winehouse is the Tower. Um, those are just a few of them. But it's designed nice. by this woman, uh, Faye Orlove. Orlove? Um, but yeah, go to her website and buy this Goddess Tarot deck. She does a different deck every year with more relevant celebrities like kind of cycled into it. Ooh. So. Yeah, nice. Stevie Nicks is always the magician. Obviously, I don't obviously. think obviously. Yeah, excellent. That's what I'm yeah, into. I I was supposed to get a reading from my friend a little bit before this all started, and then that never happened. I was thinking that I hit you up for that. I saw you were doing them. Hell we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk hit after me this. Up. Hit me we'll up. talk I after this. We'll talk. We'll talk. But right now, we'll talk about Mad Men. It's time. Burn. It's time. Dun, 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 okay, that's dun, what it is. There is a theme song. It's dope. So I used to, when I used to watch this week after week with my ex, um, yeah, you got it, uh-huh. Brandon, I would just keep, sing a just little... Just keep talking. He'll stop eventually. Okay. I would sing a little uh, parody, or I would, I would put lyrics to the theme song of what, recapping what happened the last week, like... Pete nice. is crazy, Peggy's successful, Don's still lying, and Joan is a bad bitch. You know, you nice. Nice. Brandon made up words <laughs> to the West Wing theme song for one specific season, and oh, now I it's the only thing I can too. think in my head every single time. But the, the lyrics are just, they're just the yeah, names they're of just the, the credits that are playing. So um, it only works for that one season, but I yeah. still only know. Yeah, that in my head every time. Yeah, That's so like, I, and I'm the same way. Like, you get to the end, and I just find myself going, Bradley Whitford, Martin, 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 <laughs> TV show. Bing, boom, boom. <laughs> I think I started doing that with The West Wing, too, because it's so easy to like recap things to those like big soaring themes. Oh, totally. Oh, I forgot to mention one last thing I'm into. This show, yeah. Hollywood, on Netflix. Mm. Uh, my mom told me is, to watch that, and I Oh, my God. It. it scratches my Mad Men itch because it's like, it takes place in the 40s, but the costumes are beautiful. It's beautifully shot. Everyone's eye candy. And uh, the story is a little like, I mean, the story's good. It's what we wish Hollywood would have been, but it's everything is tied together open? so fast. It's like, it's like Hollywood's yeah. open? Yeah, yeah. People open. are working. Yes, people are working. People of color like? are working. Gay people are openly working. Like it's very much like a dreamed up, like what we wish Hollywood would have been years ago. But wow. what's interesting about it is it <laughs> it makes these large sweeping like character arcs in seven episodes. Like it's the opposite of Mad Men because Mad Men takes the whole seven seasons essentially Eternity. for these people to like grow just a little bit. Oh yeah. Mad Men likes to take its sweet time. But that's what I love about it. Cause it's like life because people don't change that fast. Oh, it yeah. takes 10 years to change one small thing about you. And you might even like revert to the way you were. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so actually, what we're yeah, saying yeah. is Mad Men is a fa- Mad Men is a fallacy. 
I don't know. So we talked about this a little bit before the show, but the thing with us, so Matt, Brandon watched all of Mad Men and I watched none of it. I saw a couple episodes with you. I saw the last one. Like I know how it ends and I know the big stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I couldn't get into it. It seems like it would be my shit. Well, Mad Men is also one of those shows where sort of knowing the plot doesn't really do it justice. Like it's not a show that was built on twists and turns and deaths and it was the polar opposite of breaking bad which was which was running it kind of game of thrones which like my one of my best friends who also who like loves appointment television she was really into game of thrones could not get into mad men and it's because Mm. you're what you're watching is like i don't know i feel like it's just so deeply analytical and behavioral and you kind of have to have a boner for psychology and people and how they see I super do. act. And metaphor. Yeah, but you have to have patience and yeah, and metaphor and you have to have patience for it though because mm-hmm. it, it, people people were like I was trying to convince a long time ago my improv team. So I was like, you guys gotta watch Mad Men. It's so fucking good. And one of my teammates was like, yeah, but I heard like only one person died on that show. And I was like, is that what you're watching for the death? I'm watching for the people living. Like I'm watching. No. Yeah. Um, that's a weird I response. That's, that's a weird answer. But that was someone who fucking loves, uh, you know, the Sopranos and um, Game of Thrones and, huh. You know, just like they need action. They need things to happen. Sure. But I think it's more like action and dramatic, like dramatic for the long haul. I like a I like a good procedural. We had sort of been trained by prestige TV to equate a character dying as being the most like impactful thing that can happen in a story. It's so not. Sure is not. It's so not, it's how the people around them continue on after that person has died. Yeah. Yeah. Though, so speaking of, um, I, me- I mentioned this to you guys off air before the show. Um, if you've never seen Mad Men, we're going to make this a like kind of spoilery discussion in that there's a thing that happens in the first season that you really need to be able to talk about to be able to talk about the entirety of Mad Men. Um, so we're going to be talking about that without uh, otherwise, you know, there's not a lot of like big revelations that can be spoiled. But this is no, like. But the show is also 10 years old. And if somebody's listening to this and I mean, obviously, we've never we've never blocked spoilers out of any of our other shows. We talk about a property because we like it. We're talking about it. We're going to include information about it. If you don't want to know anything about Mad Men, thank you for listening. But we're going also, to talk about Mad Men now. you missed your fucking <laughs> chance to watch it, you dingus. Now you yeah, have to so. buy it on Amazon or whatever. <laughs> That's what the money's for. That's what the money's for. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Okay, that I know because that we constantly use in our house. Not great, Bob. Oh yeah, we, we do. Use... <laughs> Not great, Bob. is my favorite. I use that Not with my friends who like the number one thing we say. I oh, say yeah. that just like to people. When people are like, what's up? And I'll be like, oh, not great, Bob. You know, I like one in 10 people understand why I've said that. Oftentimes when I'm when I'm like frustrated about a petty thing, I will find myself going hell's bells, Trudy. (laughs) A thing like that. (laughs) 
He says that so much. I love him. But that usually is like in response to a good thing. Um, you know that he's married to the uh, to Rory. Uh, what's Alexis her face? Bledel, yeah, Rory Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, Pete Campbell. Uh, Vincent oh, Carter. Oh, yeah. Campbell that, married that, him and Alexis Bledel are married. Yes. And they met on the set of Mad Men, and they were they had a tryst. They were both married, and uh, look, endless love from that. Look, well, they were both weird, weird teens and weird teen <laughs> shows on the WB. Yeah. So. yeah, right. Wait, he was on what? He was the son on Angel. He was Connor. Oh, the baby that is a baby that goes to hell and then comes back like ten minutes later, and he's like nineteen. <laughs> That's like some fucked up dream shit that a writer was like, what if you didn't have to raise your child? But he was a Joss demon. I think Joss Whedon is the name you're looking for there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. That's that's pretty. That's that sounds about right for 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 him. <laughs> and then he has like a weird affair with Cordelia, like immediately while he's this like feral hell child. It's it's so gross. Interesting. It's so, so weird gross. and bad. And I love it. I could, that's a show that I never got into, Buffy and Angel and all that. I think it's because I had a roommate in college who was obnoxiously into it and I didn't like her. And so I just need to stay away from anything she liked. That's fair. That was my problem with anime, um, which we actually did not talk about when we had Sam Weller on to talk about anime, is that I was really resistant to watch anime for a long time because two of my roommates were the co-presidents of the anime club at school. And I loved them, but it was just so much all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But Um, this was actually, God, this was on when we were in college. That's how old this is. Sure was. Oh, yeah, man. this show was on, I think it started, yeah, like my last year of college. And yeah. and uh, truth be told, since this the name of the show is I Think You'd Be Into It, truth be told, I've always been obsessed with the mid-60s. Um, and, like, when I was a little kid, I just, like, really focused in on, like, the civil acts or civil rights of blah, blah, blah. I mm-hmm. should have had more Diet Coke today, so I'm not. I am having a stroke right now. <laughs> um, no, it was it fascinating out. time, socio socioeconomically and like yeah. sociologically in general. I too am obsessed with the. It's fine. On a previous episode, we talked all about how I had a weird childhood obsession and adult obsession with the Vietnam War. It's a fascinating oh, period of history. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But that's all to say that Mad Men started, and my friend introduced it to me. And I watched the first couple episodes and I didn't understand. I was still like a young feminist coming into my fourth wave of feminism. And I was like, how dare they? Look how they're treating women on this show. This is disgusting. I can't watch this. But like, of course, it didn't hit me until I revisited it. Like, oh, they're going to say something about that throughout the arc of the show. Um, they're showing it so egregiously and so offensively how women are treated in the workplace to make a point later. Um, but it's I just couldn't. It's amazing when a show actually does that. show, not tell. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it truly shows. And that's yeah. the thing is like, uh, I feel a little bit like people who don't have patience for it. They aren't watching or listening. I literally think Mad Men is a piece of literature. It's visual literature. And if you aren't di- digesting and dissecting every piece of it, you aren't getting the point. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, Matthew Weiner has said that uh, people come up to him and say that they idolized Don Draper and he's like really? 
You missed the whole fucking point about that guy. The whole point is he spends his whole life making these dual personalities and he never fucking integrates them until maybe the end. Which is why I idolize Roger Sterling. (laughs) And that's a why. I mean, I have a boner for Roger Sterling. It's fine. Who doesn't? Everyone has a boner for Roger Sterling. But that's a wild thing, too, of also, like, in terms of talking about the show through the lens of feminism is that like Don Draper, I think Don Draper slash Dick Whitman is the epitome of an unlikable main character who mm-hmm. people don't bring that up. They don't bring that up. It's fine. He's a dude. He's allowed to be unlikable. If he was a woman, right. the only review would have been, Oh, well she's so unlikable. How are we supposed to support this main character? Well, so unlikable. And- Arguably, Peggy is the main yeah. character of the show, and she's very unlikable. She is through as well. va- throughout various parts of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she is the female Don Draper, as we see at the end of that episode, where he's he's run away to California yet again, and she's in his office, and she like sits in the it's the logo of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah I love right. that fucking episode. But but also, I mean, yeah, she is unlikable. It's a whole cast of unlikable characters, which is so rare real. and I, and real. And I think it was a really bold choice of Matthew Weiner to be really make these people really unapologetically shitty. And you still have to go back and watch them week to week because that's what they're not exploring. shitty it's though. Not they're about real, like people. Like they're real. Yeah. But my point is, compared to like TV characters, they're not oh, yeah. people that you're coming back to root for week after week. You're here to watch something real and psychological. Yeah, like the worst, the worst thing one of these characters is going to do is going to be like a personal or business betrayal. You know, it's not going to be yeah, you know, or deception. Yeah, yeah. But but that's the thing. Like, um, I mean, as someone who's experienced very intimate betrayal, like it is a really, it's probably the most evil thing a person could do, especially if it's uh, a very long time. Um, but what's interesting, like in terms of uh looking at things looking at madman through a psychology lens um don has this very split way of and it's and people bring it up to him throughout the show he likes to be good and then he likes to be bad and he characterizes people as good and bad he doesn't ever see himself fully integrated integrated therefore he never sees other people fully integrated and in some ways matthew weiner is sending that message home to the viewer and saying, you want me to show you characters that are all good or all bad, but that doesn't fucking exist in the world. So I'm not going to show it to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the, I think that is a, a good point to uh, turn on the full, you know, spoiler warning. So the kind of TLDR of Mad Men is that it's about, uh, an advertising firm in Manhattan in the 60s. And one of the head dudes there is Don Draper, who's played by John Hamm, or as Gil Faison and uh, George St. Geek would say, Jin Hamm. Uh, now, Jin Hamm is an ad man. And uh, over the course of the, about halfway through the first season, you find out that he's not actually Don Draper. His real name is Dick Whitman. And Don Draper was the name of a soldier they fought with in, was it Korea? I don't remember. It was, yeah, it was Korea. Korea. That he fought with in Korea that was killed 
and he basically stole this dude's identity and used it to start a fresh life. Uh, and that is the thing. Because he never liked who he was. Exactly. He grew up on a farm. He was the son of a whore and a John. And he had to go live with the John and the John's wife who fucking hated him. And then his dad, the John, died. And like he just lived this life where he was told he was terrible. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a lot of childhood trauma going on there. So much and, childhood uh, if trauma. If there's one thing we know, it's that people with childhood unresolved childhood trauma never pass that on to their children or anyone else around <laughs> them. Certainly not. Certainly not Sally Draper, who ended up having to be the only adult in her ho- in her household. That's Yeah, that's but true. also, sidebar, fucking get it, Kiernan Shipka, because oh, uh, so Sabrina's good. fucking great. Oh, I haven't <laughs> she went on it. to just fucking make whatever she wants. It's fucking great. Oh, I love that for her. She should. She deserves it. Like that. She she g- grew she gave up her on whole that show. child. I know she gave her yeah. whole childhood to that show. She could. She should get to do whatever she wants now. Yeah, that was a hell yep. of a performance. Oh my god, she's so good on that show. Like the look that um, there's an episode where at the end of the episode, it's the one where he breaks down talking about the Hershey bar. Um, and he takes his kids at the end of that episode to see the house, he, the the whorehouse he grew up in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, little Bobby goes, we shouldn't be here. It's not safe. This is a bad neighborhood. And um, they get out of the car and they're looking at this house. And Sally goes, what is this place? And Don goes, this is where I grew up. And she looks at him with this look of, now I fucking understand you. Oh, now I get it. That moment yeah. gives me chills every time. Oh, yeah. And that's how the season ended. Yes. And this show to me is so much about forgiving the trauma that is unhealed in people and finding a way to love them anyway, even though they, you know, it's yeah. it's about especially our parents, especially you know, generational trauma. Oh, 100%. The, the cycles, uh, of abuse, uh, both uh, not so much, not so much physically though. I, I'm, I recall there being some of that throughout the series, but like the cycle of abuse, uh, of emotional abuse through all of these families, be it the Drapers or the, even like the Sterlings or. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only, and even Lane's dad, Lane's dad is the one that I remember specifically being physically abusive to him. Oh, I forgot about that storyline. God, that. Yeah. I thought Lane, Pri- I fucking love Lane Price. That dude got a, that dude got a shit rap. <laughs> yeah, he really did. I mean, he, Yeah. He, I, that, that episode where he argues with Don over forging the signature on the check, he's basically saying to Don, like, you know, well, he doesn't know that Don's secrets, but he's like, you know, wouldn't you have done the same thing? Like, I'm just trying to save my hide here. It's the same way that Don fucking took the dog tags off of somebody. Like, it's no different. Oh, yeah. Yet, Don... Don made him feel like such a fucking loser for it that he couldn't handle. Well, I think there's one it. thing we all know is that Don is in a way a hypocrite. Oh, a hundred percent. In many a ways a hypocrite. He wants, he doesn't want anyone to be like him because he hates himself so much. 
He's like, don't yeah. be like me. Be different than me because I'm no good. But he does still want to be the one in charge and telling you that you're no good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't really have the wherewithal to 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 know that to out loud say he doesn't like himself, though, for the most part. Oh, God. No. Yeah. I mean, Don definitely was physically abusive toward Betty, um, mm-hmm. but never the children. He was always no. very, very gentle with the children. Mad Men is basically the poster show for this is if only our parents had gone to therapy. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, truly. You mentioned earlier the the that final shot of Peggy in the office that really matches the that matches the logo. And I did just want to mention that as much as the the writing and and storylines on this show do get a lot of credit, it was a phenomenal show visually. Oh God, yeah, it was gorgeous. The cinematography is fucking off the charts. I think in a way that I've never, ever seen on another show, the synergy between what is left unsaid and what is shown to us is so magical. Oh, absolutely. That's why it's visual literature to me, like, truly. Oh, yeah. Even the colors tell a story. The best seasons of that show didn't so much have plots as they were, uh, like, collections of short stories on a theme. Yes. And, And the whole series has recurring themes that... The reason why I, this is like, I'm a little bit shame, ashamed to admit this because people are going to be like, is she okay? Or does she, is she on the, you know, is she like, I don't know. They might get their ideas about how my brain works and that's fine, whatever. But since the beginning of quarantine, I've watched the series almost four times all the way through. Whoa. Um, be, because I, A, find something new every time I watch it. I find, like, not just one thing, but, like, a handful of themes that I never even knew were there. Sure. And B, at the beginning of quarantine, I couldn't handle anything new. I couldn't handle any new uh, media. I was just like, I need something that's familiar, that feels nice. Um, And so it's my feel-nice show. But uh, I noticed something on a recent rewatching. If you remember... The Zuby Zuby Zoo episode and how I love that one. <laughs> yeah. How Megan here she is singing a song in French. She's thrown down this extravagant um, surprise party in their home. She so wants to be a hostess. She so wants to show off for him. She so wants to show off their love to the people that he works with. And he's so private at work that he doesn't want to let people in. And she's nailing it. She's nailing it. She's giving it all she got. She she's like she really is quite a performer when she does that. But she does it of her own volition. It's her own initiative. Um and then I think about when Joan earlier on in the series, Joan is entertaining her husband's um co-workers at the hospital, her the fellow surgeons that he works with and it's just a small dinner party. But he begs her, her husband begs her to grab her accordion. And what is she saying? A French song. And she's trying to charm the pants off these people for her husband. Uh, and she's doing it reluctantly. She didn't want to do it. She, yeah, right? These are the things that I notice when I watch things like four or five a yeah. time. Um, no, that's- and like culturally at the time, France was like culture, you know? Like the height yeah. of class oh for sure and yeah and like look at my gorgeous wife you know sing a french song look how cultured and amazing my life is 
Like, right. Yeah. And and also I mean, like everything on of, that show had symbolism. Nothing was done without a purpose, which is great. No, Nothing drives me yeah. more crazy when things happen on a show for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, and part of me I just am an analyst at heart and um I met, I went to school for media studies. So like this is it, it deep within my brain. Sure. And yeah, so like the idea that I could watch a piece of art over and over again and still find new themes. Um, when I used to do improv, my favorite shows to watch were shows that I called, uh, they used the whole buffalo. Like nothing was introduced that didn't come back later and serve a purpose. And I feel like mm-hmm. Mad Men really is a whole buffalo show. Like there's nothing wasted. It is so deliberate in every move that it makes, which I think it took them a minute to get there. Like every season, they just got more and more confident in the way that they tell stories and, you know. Well, and of course, too, the very nature of Hollywood, I'm sure they had network notes that got less and less every season as it became apparent that what they were doing worked. Oh, totally. I mean, AMC at that moment is the only network where Mad Men could have worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, HB- HBO didn't want it. They Well, HBO almost bought it, but they wanted David Chase to run it. And Matt Weiner was like, no thanks. Yeah, and that wouldn't have worked at all. No, that wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I already worked for David Chase, I'm done. Yeah, like, I've, I've been through Vietnam Right, didn't he, before. for Sopranos? Yeah, yeah, he, that's how he got started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Most of what I know about Mad Men is that there was just that the one season started with everybody at a at a beach, and I think that's where the John Ham's dick picture comes from. But uh, <laughs> that's most of oh, what I know Hawaii about Mad Men. Ep- that Hawaii episode. Uh, yeah. Which that episode? Okay. So I have this Which, whole book that's a, a series of essays on Mad Men, and every mm-hmm. episode is an essay. And that episode, he doesn't talk for the first fucking. Is that uh, Steppenwall's book? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, wait, is it? No, Zoller Sites. Oh, right. Yeah, he's great. Matt Zoller Sites. So great. Carousel is the name of the book. Um, but uh, he points out that in that episode where. They're in Hawaii. Don doesn't talk for the first 15 minutes of the episode. Oh, wow. It's such it's such an improv scene to me of like, I've just, uh, I, I studied improv in Chicago where like slow paced improv was the thing and like really uh, examining relationships was the thing. And so like there were times where you would see performers doing a duo or something. And if one particular player was just talking a lot the other one would just be silent for the first three four three four five minutes of the show oh yeah and it really like shows it's such an opportunity to show the dynamic of the relationship that's every tj and dave show ever yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um i don't know so, i just yeah. know that that uh one of the most surreal moments of my quarantine was there is a Twitter account for John Ham's dick and it took to a Ugh. personal bend relays. It took to a personal bend relays uh, recently to talk about uh, how they had the person who runs the account had tested positive for COVID. Oh no. <gasps> no. It was just, it was just a very surreal 21st century moment. John Ham's the, the parody account for John Ham's dick <laughs> tweeting oh about how they got COVID. I've seen some, uh, some shots of him shopping at a, a Gelson's and he's 
wearing like a sweatshirt and a vest, but then also shorts. And it's so dadly and adorable that I'm very nice. into it. Yeah, he's got that Gelson's money. Do do we know which Gelson's? Last time Brandon last time Brandon called me and said he was in a Gelson's, my first response was, Why? We're poor. <laughs> I do know which Gelson's, but I'm not going to say it here because I care about John Hamm. Okay, yeah. There you uh, go. Uh, tell it to me well, off air, please. Okay. Well. <laughs> do you guys have any... I know Brandon does, so I'm really giving him this opportunity. A uh, favorite episode. Uh, or a couple favorite moments. Okay. Can I tell you... I know one of Brandon's is what he tried either? to do for the opening bit, I think. Tried and nailed. Oh, yeah, that's a great... <laughs> I think, uh, so on my most recent rewatching, the episode that sticks in my craw is um, The Gypsy and the Hobo, which is the episode where Betty confronts Don about finding about finding out about his dual identities. And it's Halloween. Oh, what an episode for that to happen, huh? And... Um, and Sally wants to be Minnie Mouse for Halloween. And he's like, you'll wear the costume once it's expensive. Like she's like, no, I'll never grow out of Minnie Mouse. He doesn't let her get the costume. So at the end of the episode, they're trick or treating and who, what do they have? Uh, what, you know, what do they have the kids dress as? Well, Sally's a gypsy and Bobby's a hobo. And uh, basically Don is a gypsy and he grew like the only person that ever showed, showed him kind, kindness growing up was this hobo that he really like took to. There's a whole episode called the hobo code where he has flashbacks as a little boy learning about the hobo code. And so they go to trick or treat at a house and the guy opens the door and he goes, what do we have here? A gypsy and a hobo. And then the, the guy looks at, um, Betty and Don and goes and who are you <laughs> and like what a fucking episode for that to happen wow. yep yeah who are you Don wow he doesn't fucking know he doesn't fucking know and it's interesting because he's his split his kind of split personality also like he has a split heart too he can't seem to integrate the women he is like romantically involved with, with the women he respects and loves and idolizes. Those women have to stay separate. He can't ever, you know, love someone that he also respects mm -hmm. uh, romantically, which is so interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, I think a lot of men have that issue, if I'm honest, but <laughs> like his, his relationship with, and I, I can't, I'm completely blanking on her name now. The woman in California. Uh, uh, Anna Draper. Yeah, his, his relationship with Anna Draper is fascinating because it's, it's in a lot of ways, one of the most important relationships he has. And it's 1 million percent non-sexual. And it's the only relationship that he has that feels like it's on equal terms at all times. Well, and then he and part of that is the strength uh, of her as a character. True, is that she just does not take his bullshit because she knows. Also, That's true. Yeah, but but he's he's soft with her because he he knows she knows who he is. He, he doesn't have mm -hmm. to play it who he is with her, and eventually yeah. he gets to that place with Peggy, like in the episode the suitcase, which the suitcase might be another one of my favorite 
top five episodes. But that's the episode where he makes Peggy stay late to work on the suitcase uh, ad strategy for um, Samsonite. She misses her birthday. Uh, They get drunk together. They and then um, he like drunkenly passes out with Peggy on the couch, like totally innocently, just like head in her lap. And um, he's visited by Anna Draper in his dream. And she has a suitcase and then she disappears. Mm -hmm. And it's like she was checking in on him to make sure he had somebody else like her. And he does in Peggy. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Fuck this yeah. show. Ah. Yeah. Good. Watch it one more time before it's off. Honestly, I think the only the only show that at the end of a lot of Mad Men episodes, I would just go, ah, oh, this this fucking show, how does it do it? I know. And the only show that's really had me do that as consistently since Mad Men ended is the good place. Oh yeah, um, that I watched the first really season, well but I need to watch it again. Oh, it gets yeah. it gets so much better. The finale like legitimately fucked me up. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> it's I mean it's great. The finale is gorgeous. I mean it's I about mean, death. Anything about death fucks him up. Like oh I love death, but yeah. like specifically like you can, you must have Scorpio in your chart. <laughs> you know I shockingly. Don't. Uh, I'm. I'm like. Hard. I'm trying to do somewhere. Has, no, he has no idea if he has I'm Scorpio in his Capricorn. chart. He doesn't know his chart. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about that. Well, that's in his another son. Episode. His son is Capricorn. I think I've got some Taurus in there. Somewhere. Capricorn's very fascinated with uh, that kind of stuff, but not as much as Scorpio. That makes sense. That's me, baby. Hey. Hey. Um, Go ahead, Brandon. Tell us of the musical. Oh, okay. So, well, I was going to say, my my, <laughs> my favorite moments on Mad Men were the ones when they would take a complete, like, wild swing uh, mm-hmm. towards something that you really wouldn't expect. Like, the first time I, I sort of remember it happening was when they opened an episode in season two with a Decemberist song. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, There's an episode that starts with the Infanta from uh, Picaresque, which is an awesome song and an awesome record. And it fits with the kind of retro so vibe of the episode. Right. But if you know, yeah. but if you know, wait, is that the Decemberists? When they almost exclusively been sticking to uh, period or earlier uh, music tracks. I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I have always thought of that move. I mean, that always catches me off guard too on my like gajillion viewing of things. But I'm always like, oh yeah, they're they're going in strong to season two to say you thought this was a period show and you thought we were only de- dealing with period themes, but guess what? This season's about how we relate it to the modern, and you're not even going to see it coming. Oh, yeah, we're going to be timeless, baby. Timeless, layered. And that's what I think those <laughs> that wave of ripoff shows missed is that Mad Men wasn't was never it wasn't good because it was set in the sixties. It was good because it was Mad Men, you know. Yeah. Um. It's good because it deals with timeless themes of self betrayal of like lack of integration psychologically like it, it deals with that in every character oh yeah 
Um, speaking of that, was gonna be my 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 second moment. Uh, I was gonna mention is there's an episode later in the run. Uh, they introduce a copywriter. Uh, later on, named Ginsburg, who's played by oh my who's played by the dude from Superstore, I believe. Yeah, um, and he's the so short lived A to Z, um, and he he's, he was also on um, Model. No, what was the name of that show? There was a Lifetime show he was on where he played some kind of angel uh, for this woman who. Used to be a model and then became a plus size woman. It's such a dumb show, Whoa. but he's great on it. He's great on it. Um, but there's this episode where they, in I think the fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth season, I don't remember. My my knowledge of what happens when gets kind of fuzzy. Um, but there's an episode where they they've installed a computer at Sterling Cooper, <laughs> which is like um, because it's the sixties, mm-hmm. is the size of a room. And it's just a room. Yeah, yeah. And like Ginsburg, who was already they, they've hinted that he is not psychologically well uh, in a little bit before in the show. But he becomes obsessed with this thing. And the episode ends with him slicing his nipple off and giving it to Don. And it's one of those like. No, to Peggy. Oh, to Peggy. You're right. You know, he, he gives, gives it to Peggy. Peggy. And it's and it's. This moment of like in a gift box, yeah, a, like like it looks like a ring box essentially. And <laughs> well, and he had just told her he was attracted to her and like tried to make out with her in like a previous scene, and then all of a sudden he comes into her office with this jewelry box, yeah, and his nipples in it, <laughs> yeah. And that's just another one of those like Mad Men things of like we've been playing this like really kind of subtle moody story or you think it's one thing but it's not and then that's the last we see of ginsburg (laughs) oh Um, yeah but my my all time and my my personal crush sorry i just have to interject and say that stan stan my dream man my personal crush definitely he's a taurus like a hundred percent and i love stan I stand, stand. Um I want, I want his beard to kick me down the stairs. Dude, I just want to live inside his beard. Um, but I set up like a really nice little like uh, bird ne- bird's nest in his beard. Um, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he, uh, Peggy like can't even bring herself to go visit Ginsburg in later episodes when they're like, have you seen Ginsburg? She's like, I haven't. But, but Stan went and saw him and like, oh, Stan's such a good friend. Yeah, he... He takes a lot of shit that he kind of doesn't deserve, but is also yeah. not the greatest person. He has a lot of growth. He has a very nice arc. He really does. His arc feels like the inverse of Harry Crane, who starts off as someone. <laughs> yeah. Someone who starts off as Harry Crane. Harry was off kind never of, good. Harry was never good. He was never good, but I think he was kind of well-meaning and a little bit just like a little bit derpy. Mm. But then like just went on this course of just becoming reprehensible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they do have inverse paths for sure. Um, this is how obsessed I am with Mad Men. I recently watched an episode of of uh, what's the name of that show with Little Dicky, Dave, and Leonard from that finale. Leonard, who does the speech that makes Don break down and cry and give him a hug. Uh, Leonard's in that episode, and I was just like, Leonard's always going to be fucking Leonard from that episode for me. Like, I'm never going to think of him differently. I don't know if I remember who that is. 
is. Leonard is the guy in the finale who talks about feeling like nobody notices him and that everybody's out. He's like in the fridge and they close the fridge and the light goes out and everybody's out there having a good time. But um, they only see him when they open the fridge. Oh, right. I do. I do remember that guy. I couldn't remember if it was Brett Gelman who also appears in that episode in a really. Yeah, he's in that episode. Like I was not. Ex- there were a lot of things I wasn't expecting to see in the finale of, of Mad Men, but Brett Gelman was not one of them. <laughs> He is such a versatile actor. Like, I have a hard-on for Brett Gelman, for sure. I saw him... So Brandon has a hard-on for all of Death by Ruru. Yeah, <laughs> he used to be on this legendary improv team back at What up, UCB. improv team? I know. Oh, Welcome, I, nerd. Welcome to the I end know of the Death episode. by Ruru. You don't have to talk oh, to me. God. I know. Oh, I... Talking to the listeners, you've gotten to the end of this episode, and now we're talking about mm-hmm. obscure improv shit. <laughs> I don't know that Death by Ruru is obscure. Like, I feel like they're the... Not to our fuck, friends. That's fair. They're the fucking Rolling Stones of improv. They, re- they really fucking are, which I guess makes the the stepfathers, the I just Beatles? think improv is obscure if you're, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. in LA. Fair. Um, that's fair. Because uh, TJ and Dave are, are Simon and Garfunkel, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Because <laughs> we did yeah. mention them earlier, yeah. Yeah. Um, TJ and Dave are Simon and Garfunkel. Susan Messing is just like the Stevie Nicks of improv. That's that's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but my my favorite moment in all of of Mad Men, and the, to me the biggest swing they ever took, uh, was at the end of I think the fifth season when Burt Cooper, who was uh one of the owners of the firm, who throughout the show is kind of getting phased out. Because he's much older and kind of just, you know, it doesn't do much. He's more of a namesake at that point. Um, something Don says to him is, uh, all, uh, Bert says something to Don where he's like, you young men think you're invincible. And then he says, you old men love to have your golden tombs and seal everyone in there with you. Oof. Oof. Mm. Um, but he... He dies uh, at the end of that season. I want to say during the moon landing, um, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yes. Um, yep. In an, yet another one of those really beautiful Mad Men moments where you don't see it, but you see, you know, right before it. The life around it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the the episode ends with, you know, they're, they've sort of had like a funeral for him. And the actor who played him, whose name I am blanking on, um... He was also. Wait, the... hold on, I've got it. But go on, I'll I'll interject with it. I I swear I, I usually know it too, but um he starred in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, uh on Broadway and then in the film. And Matt Weiner was like, we always wanted to have him sing, but we didn't. We... Robert Morse. Oh, Robert Morse. Yeah, he he rules. He's so good on that show. He's one of the oh, one of the few truly like warm characters on that show, um, but uh, there's a moment at the end of the episode where Don is walking away from sort of this like you know impromptu f- funeral that they were having at the office, and as he's walking away, he hears Old Man Cooper, and he looks over and he's standing outside of his his office. And he starts to sing uh, The Best Things in Life Are Free, which is from another musical. He goes, Don, my boy, Don, my which boy. is so sweet. It's so like, good. Burt Cooper is the only man who ever talked to Don like he was his son. And actually, 
sorry to interrupt. I feel very passionately about this, though. Yes. <laughs> but um, in the episode where Pete tries to expose Don because he's found out about Don's dual identities, he's like, I'm going to take this to Cooper. Cooper's like, what ifs? Yeah, Cooper gives Don the unconditional love of a father that he never fucking had. And it's just so... <sighs> Anyway, go on. Oh uh, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> Sorry, I just love it. There no, no, not at all. Uh, it's their relationship is is really fascinating. Um but yeah, he's like Don my boy and then just starts uh singing this song from this old musical and like some of the secretaries who are walking by start like dancing along with him. And he sings most of this song while Don just sits there watching and it's it's clearly a a dream but it's this really beautiful reflective moment at the end of what had been a kind of chaotic you know season and it the the best my favorite part about it is it, it ends with him he walks off he shuts the door to his office and the music stops right before it can resolve which just leads yeah. leaves it just kind of hanging there and mm-hmm. then you're just left with this unresolved uh, chord progression and the sounds of the office and Don just with tears in his eyes. Don, like, he, like, falls back. He, like, leans back onto a piece of furniture because he can't stand up anymore. Yeah. He's, like, blown away. It's it's so fucking gorgeous. Also, Brandon's a sucker for a good soft shoe. I I, I definitely Ugh. am, and he does soft a soft shoes shoe. Are great. In, in what socks. do you think about Cosgrove's soft shoe? Oh, I was gonna say that was another. Remember that episode? That was another one of my. <laughs> that was like first runner up. I'm like, I can mention three things, and it's either gonna be Ginsburg or Cosgrove. Yeah, there's an episode where they're basically all on speed for a weekend, and Cosgrove starts tap dancing, and it owns. He starts tap dancing, talking about how Chevy. The Chevy executives are fucking ruining his life. And he's like, oh, this is such a fascinating thing, too. So he does this. He's like talking to Don. He's on speed. Uh, he's got everyone's his on eye speed. patch on. Be- everyone's on speed. He's got his eye patch on and his legs fucked up because the the eye patch, because the Chevy executives took him hunting and he got like shrapnel in his eye. He got Dick Cheney'd. He got Dick Cheney'd. And then... His legs fucked up because he got in a car accident because these guys were, like, being fucking goofballs in the car with him, the Chevy executives, and they, like, crashed the car and he got hurt. Um, And so Don's talking to him about Chevy, and he starts doing this little tap dance soft shoe about all the things he's fucking doing to try to entertain these executives. And then Don looks at him and goes, where'd you learn to do that? And he was like, my mother taught me. No, my first girlfriend. And I was just like, wow, isn't that a whole generation of men explained? <laughs> it sure is. Can I tell you my my weird Ken Cosgrove story? Okay, yeah. I was at D23 last year, which is basically Disney Comic Con. Um, mm. And I was walking around on the show floor and was, and suddenly when I tried to like, exit into kind of the main aisle from where I was there were a bunch of cast members who were like hey sorry uh because there was a parade coming through and it was like you're sort of standard like there was a band there was you know people with like flags and it was very like marching band parade um and I'm like 
okay, cool. I'm I'm stuck in a parade. Well, D23, what are you going to do? So I'm sitting there like, come on. And so it keeps going and it keeps going. And, after, and the final thing coming through in this parade is a golf cart. I think a golf cart. It might have been like a really just stripped down weird looking topless car. But it was some sort of golf cart. And there was uh, fucking King Cosgrove just kind of sitting there occasionally waving at people but like he he looked as confused as to why he was there as i was and i, I like he was in- <laughs> isn't he like the main character in la and like that confidential what was that what's that la oh la noir la noir is, video game yeah he is the mocap star of LA, la noir he's perfect for that and i uh, I th- I think he was he was in some Disney thing that was coming out soon, like not Nutcracker in the Four Realms, but like that kind of thing. Artemis Fowl, maybe I don't know. Um, That's not a Disney movie. Uh, no, well Disney's releasing it. But Nutcracker in the Four Realms was. I'm pretty sure that was Disney. I'm just saying. Whatever doesn't matter. All the Artemis Fowl <laughs> movies were bad. I'll say that right now. They do nothing compared to the book. There's four realms and all of them are teens. No, there were four. That was the Nutcracker, and I saw that with my mom in Florida. Anyway, is there any other anyway. uh, big, big, hot things you want people to know about Mad Men that they should be oh. into before we wrap up? Well, my friend has verbalized this, and I agree with him, that Peggy, this the character arc of Peggy is the greatest character arc of any character in television. She literally starts at the bottom and gets to the top. Like, um, what else? Uh, I think like Joan, I don't think Joan ever chooses love over work, which is people expect her to, because she's so beautiful that like she could get any man she wants, but she like, doesn't want that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, what she wants is to have sex with Roger Sterling in an alley. I know. Who doesn't? Fair. Who does All the women on I the mean, show are just phenomenal. All the actresses are fucking killer incredible. and they've gone on to do great things. Good for them. Yeah. Except for, really. you know, January Jones, who decided to be Emma Frost, which that was a choice. January Jones. You know, January Jones is really good on the show. And I love her on Instagram right now. Like her quarantine life is so interesting to watch. Um, <laughs> But the more I watch, like, as an actor, when I watch her, I'm just, like, she really just, she had the right look. She had the right iciness in her delivery of things. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know that she could have gone beyond that, yeah, you know, sandbox. Yeah. Um, whereas, I, I mean, obviously, we've seen how multifaceted... Um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss is. Oh yeah, and Christina Hendricks has so much. Also on West Wing, that she can. Yeah, I, that's Christina, right. Uh, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah, and Christina Hendricks has so much she can do if people can stop. If people can like put their tongues back in their mouths. Um, but like, who can? Uh, but she's got a lot of depth to her. Uh, I haven't really seen. Um, the girl who plays Megan again. She was so good. She was, she was so good. She was so good. She was so good. Their, yeah. their relationship was was really fascinating. And well, yeah, it started from an idealization, and like, where else can that go? They just weren't. I've always shipped Don and Joan, and he says to her in okay, this is another top five episode, Christmas Christmas Waltz, where. 
Don and Joan are at a bar together and he goes, you want to dance? And she's like, I don't think we should because she's always known that there's chemistry there. But uh, she's smarter than that. She's smarter than that. And he said that he's always been afraid of her because she can see right through his act. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. And he yep. he wants a woman he can have a fresh start with so that he can reinvent himself every time. Not someone that's going to make him come to terms with who he already is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On, on, a, on a slightly related uh, note, uh, I'd like to talk for a moment about uh, the way the show treats California. I think it's really <laughs> yeah. interesting. Because it so is so much a New York City show, even though there's almost yeah. never exteriors. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very much a New York City show, very much like a Westchester show. But a few seasons in, they open it up and they start sending characters out to California. And everyone that goes out there suddenly goes through this like massive change and becomes mm-hmm. a completely different person. Like my favorite being California Pete Campbell. Oh my God, California Pete. He just rolls up with like, you know, a, a sweater tied around his neck and his sunglasses <laughs> on his forehead. Uh, just being like, And you know he's taking yoga classes and drinking juice oh, or something. Trudy, you must try the kombucha. <laughs> Look, we all we Wait, cannot, here's sit, my we cannot sit here and pretend Peter. that these people do not exist that move to here from New York and suddenly <laughs> go und- undergo a personality transplant because we all know those people exist because we know them. Oh, one of them, <laughs> totally. one of them hosts this show. I have had people tell me California Brandon is so much more chill than East Coast Brandon. <laughs> See, I'm the most like Stephanie on the show, probably, because I was born and raised in California. I went to UC Berkeley. I've never lived outside of California for any significant amount of time. I've always been fascinated with New York, though. But yeah, I like New York. She was the doctor, right? She was Anna Draper's niece. Oh, right, 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 Mm -hmm. right. The one who he eventually goes to to the retreat with. Oh, right, right. I was thinking the uh the woman that he breaks up with for Megan, the like No, doctor. that's um or That's Dr. What is her name? Not Dr. Melfi, that's Sopranos. Oh, cool story. Faye. I don't Faye. Know. Faye is her name. Faye. Dr. Faye. Faye. There you go. Dr. Faye. I don't know. We moved here from New York and I've never been told I'm more chill, but I'm super chill all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. No, but California P definitely changes. And Don gets to be his true self when he's out here. He always runs away to California. And what What's his name? The the blonde guy that shows up later that's a pilot. He goes out there and just suddenly has like this full... Ted like, Shaw. T- I fucking love Ted Shaw. Yeah, but he's great. Except he's part so of... sleazy to Peggy. Oh, yeah. He's terrible to Peggy when he's like generally a good guy otherwise. <laughs> but he is dreadful to Peggy. Thematically, though, that also fits with the time period because that very much was the thing of California. California was this promised land in the 60s, you know? Like, things were finally building. Like, we as a nation kind of forget that not us who live here, but California and the, like, real industry of California is not that old. I mean, when they built Disneyland in the 50s, it was all orange groves in the O.C., the California, Southern California in particular, was really only built up in the like 60s. 
And so it was this brand new promised land of, of it was the new Wild West. Well, that explains, that brings up such a good point. That's why Don loves California, because he only likes the beginning of things. He only likes new, where he can be new. Mm-hmm. Like, like, New York is already mired down in so much dirt and history and, like, bullshit and you can't escape it people know him yeah and like but the city itself is so history that it's like has this this and don doesn't like rich histories that's why he runs away from every long relationship he's ever had except for Mm -hmm. anna but yeah southern california at the time was such a center of like the free love movement and and all of these sociological movements in the late 60s because it was it was the new Wild West. It was this brand new world where things were just being built and, you know, you didn't have to deal with all that history that Dom, that Don was running away from. Yeah. So, like, societally, I understand why they kind of treat California that way in the show because that's how it was viewed. Yeah. yeah. And even Don, um, Don talks about how he wants to move out to California with Megan start the new uh, start the california branch uh the, the western branch of the firm and then he ends up giving up that position to ted cha who needs to get away from peggy um i don't know if you remember that yeah. but oh yeah uh, yeah it's a new start california is always a new start yeah on that show uh, so speaking of speaking of new starts and this is the the last thing i'll say i watched the pilot of this after i'd already seen it before uh, I watched it with mm-hmm. my mom because she was mm-hmm. re- it was like in like the third or fourth season. Pilot is hard to watch. Pilot's not great. Yeah. Um, but it was it was during the like third or fourth season when the show was really sort of hitting its cultural peak, even though not a ton of people were watching it still. The cast was all over the media and it was really being pushed as like the show. And John Hamm and January Jones were on Oprah, and my mom was kind of fascinated by the show, so she's like, "Hey, let's watch it." So uh, I go and grab the Blu-ray. Well, and your mom loves a period piece. My mom loves a period piece, uh, specifically like like Elizabethan, Victorian, like old old European stuff. But she likes a period piece in general. Um, so we start watching it, and the the first scene in the first episode is Don showing up at someone's house uh, to do the sex. And just because my mom had been wa- had been watching these interviews, he she knew that January Jones was John Hamm's wife on the show. So oh, so she had this pilot spoiled. For she her. did. She did. Because there's this beautiful reveal of yeah his actual yeah the, wife, the re- his home the real the reveal at the end of the pilot of Mad Men is he's married. <laughs> yeah, and he I, he's very much not acting like he's married oh, throughout the God, yeah. Um, but when the second he, this woman opens the door and it's not January Jones, my mom goes, if, if he sleeps with that woman, I'm going to turn this off. (laughs) And I, I, I just looked at her and I went, mom, if that's going to be the whole fucking show. Yeah. If that's going to be your, uh, your stopping point for Mad Men, you should just stop right now. Stop. Yeah. That's it. That's the show. That's it. And, and, and I say that not as a slam, like it, it was funny. It was it's more, I mean, the show's more than that, but oh, totally. yeah, that's all. There's a lot. But of if that. that's your line in the sand, if adultery is your line <laughs> yeah. in the sand, just stop. That's yeah. it. That's the show. Stop. Not just Don yeah. either. <laughs> no, everybody else. It's it's like how they say that New York is a character in, in things. Adultery is a character in magic. <laughs> True 
Exactly. That's such a good point, and I've never heard it put so succinctly. Um, it's it's really the fifth lead. Yeah, it totally is. I have a question for you guys, not to move on too quickly. Uh, This is my question for you, having because you've both watched the finale. Do we think Don goes back to New York, gets and and creates the Coca Cola, the iconic Coca Cola ad that we see at the end? Is he the creator of that? Again, I didn't watch the whole show, so I don't have enough like depth of knowledge here. But when I watched it, I thought that's what was being implied. But again, that's a pretty surface level reading from me. I think that I think that's what's being implied, but I don't think it entirely matters. I think what it doesn't. I think what matters is him having that moment of just pure the thing he's been working for the entire series is that 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 peace yeah that moment of of peace and selflessness and clarity but at at the end of the day he's still who he is so you know when you have that moment you're going to think of a good commercial idea but like i think it was the getting to that moment was the was what it was was what it was about and Seeing the the fantasy that he has, which is that commercial, I think that's what really matters. I don't think if he if he made it in New York, if he sold it at some other firm in California, I don't think it entirely matters. I think like like with all of Mad Men, the journey was what <laughs> was important. Totally. But also, I think it's a really interesting choice, like from an artistic and like historical standpoint for them to end with that commercial whether he whether or not we read into him creating it because again historically that was that is a really really even to this day well-known commercial that was mm-hmm. a hugely successful campaign it is a real commercial it's not a commercial they invented for the show oh, yeah. it right. is a real very famous coke ad that at the end of the day really just puts a button on what the show was quote unquote ostensibly about is about this whole idea of selling something. And this is one of the most famous commercials that sold something at that period right. of time. Like it, it just really is. It's such an iconic commercial that it is a really interesting button to put on the show, regardless of how you choose to relate it to the fictional character of Don. And that the thing it was selling was like, yes, Coca-Cola, but the thing it was selling happiness. Was, was peace. Yeah. Peace and happiness. Yeah. Peace, and happiness, unity. enlightenment. Yeah. It's selling mm-hmm. what Don had finally found. Sure. Yeah. And he always drew on his life for ads. Like, what was interesting is, like, that was kind of his victory lap after losing the Hershey account um, because of his all too personal kind of down Debbie Downer story oh, of, yeah. from his childhood. That was what got him put on leave. That, that and then was, he fucked up there. Like that's fair. He fucked up. Something Ted Shaw says to him is like, um, "Have a drink before the meeting. You can't just quit cold like that." My dad was an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking roasted. Roasted. Oof. <laughs> who was who was the guy that he he showed up with Ted Shaw? He was like Ted Shaw's boss, like the glasses guy. The very, oh, like, Jim Cutler. Yeah, Jim Cutler. That that dude looks like a fucking pencil eraser came to life. 
Um, but his his they they play him as a villain for so long, and then when he has that moment of like they're voting on if they should sell the company or not, and he votes to sell as well, and they're like, wait, what? I thought you wanted to. And yeah, like, yeah, like, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> Which is yeah. like it's played as like all of the villainy is just gone, all of the drama. When he's just like, well, no, that's a, that would be like stupid. That's a, a, a preposterous amount of money. But he's also voting himself out because oh, he totally. wouldn't have been included in the sale, and he's basically voting to sell his shares of the business. Oh yeah, uh, and it's funny because he he fought so long when they when the two uh, firms uh, merged, he fought so long for like our people versus their people, like he couldn't integrate it at all. And then when it came down to it, it was the money. But isn't that interesting? I didn't even think about that how many different merging uh, business mergers happened on that show. Oh God. And yet Don can't merge his personalities. Ooh. See, I could teach a whole unlocked ding, ding, ding. Jesus. Could I just please teach a masterclass online course about this show? There will never be another show as good. (laughs) Well, you, you definitely just got an A on your television studies essay. Thank you. Maybe I can get my degree finally now because I uh, <laughs> failed a class and did not Ooh, get what it. What class did you fail? I failed, uh, what was it, Mass Communications 2, which honestly, if I wrote an essay about Mad Men and just said all the things I said on this show, I probably would have gotten an A in the class. Oh, most definitely. But but you know what? We all come to things later in life, and that's fine. That's true. Yeah. Well, speaking of later in life, we've been talking for well over an hour and a half now. <laughs> so if people wanted to find more Kaylee Quick uh, related <laughs> content on the Internet, how could they do that? I mean, probably the best place, uh, the hub, if you will, of like all my other contents, my table of contents. <laughs> it's my Instagram. So uh my Instagram is at Kayleoke, K-A-E-L-I-O-K-E. And you can find my TikTok from there. And you can find blah, 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 blah. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a fan page on Facebook because why? I don't know. I'm not going to work in the media anymore, probably. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Lord, who even knows? Cut that God, part out. None of us. It's none a, of us showbiz are. is very uncertain right now. But... You can also, if you found what I had to say interesting, you can like my fan page. And maybe I'll start a fucking blog or podcast of my own because I have a lot of shit to say about Mad Men. So there you go. Fucking do it. Do it. Uh, I'll, I'll 100% come on if you if you start the the Kaylee Mad Men pod. And if I was going to do it like now, episode by episode. By the time we just... <laughs> You do it episode by episode. By the time this comes out, you know, it'll, there'll be some up and I can just plug it in the social media. Oh, and that would be cool. I want a long time ago. Sorry to like, whatever. No, but a, long, a long time ago, I got super high and I watched an episode and there were so many layers in the episode and I could see them all for some reason because I was high. I was like, well, there's that layer and then there's that. And Peggy thinks she's saying this and Joan thinks she's helping. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was just like, I need to talk about <laughs> so this has been a pleasure thank you for having me on yeah to, to ramble because i have so many thoughts of course um if you want to find more of uh this mess 
Uh, you can find me on Hell Yes Brandon on all of the platforms. I've got some music up on SoundCloud, and my band Inkblot has some live shows on the YouTubes. Um, I've got a song on uh, Joey Cliff's Our 50 States uh, project on the Texas EP uh, with Will Morgan called Deep in the Fart of Texas that is one of the most <laughs> truly stupid things I've ever been in- involved with. Um, Amazing. Actually, if you wanted to see uh, Kaylee and I together, we've got a couple of uh, the bits we've done oh, yeah. are on YouTube, including a thing we did right. for Sketch That Tune, uh, where we played <laughs> yeah. the Foo Fighters. <laughs> that, that's right. For the Thanksgiving episode last year, Kaylee was Dave Grohl. I saw her. Those aprons are still in the backseat of his car. Oh, yeah. The what? The, the aprons, aprons are still made. in the backseat of his car. <laughs> Amazing. One of them is yours. I made yours. those like, like 20 minutes before your show. I'm shocked they worked. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, they were great. One of them Perfect. is yours. I came home from work and he was like, did you do them? And I was like, fuck, I forgot. I was like still in all my like nasty work clothes, like <laughs> scribbling them as he's running out the house. I was like, here, take them. Go. Oh, take a shower. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we did a we did a bit for the Thanksgiving sketch that tune where we were playing the Foo Fighters, uh, who were having a Foo food fight, Bye. which a was a fight. which is a Foo fight about food, uh, mm-hmm. because they don't know what kind of pie they want to make for Thanksgiving, uh, and there's only <laughs> ten days until Thanksgiving, <laughs> and then yeah, we learned to pie. <laughs> And we played Learn to Fly and as lazily as possible changed the lyrics to Learn to Pie. Um, you know what? Instant Thanksgiving classic. Oh, totally. And you uh, you did a really good Dave Grohl. Kaylee uh, has a phenomenal voice and her like Dave Grohl rock and roll voice fucking ruled. Oh, thanks. I felt like... <laughs> It felt so weird to be so in drag that people weren't recognizing me around the theater. I was like, oh, hey. And people were like, who's the new guy? I'm like, it's me. <laughs> right. Kaylee dresses Dave Grohl. Um, so thank you for <laughs> saying that. I felt very silly about that performance. And of course, uh, you know, you were great with your with playing, just ripping it up oh, on the you. shredding it on the guitar. And then we See, did. in the course Beautiful of learning job. this, he realized that Dave Grohl just has, you know, a lot of gain and plays like three notes. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Foo Fighters Because songs... there's like nine guitars in Foo Fighters for some reason. Yeah, there's like yeah. nine guitars and the songs all sound so fast, but he's really never playing all that fast. Interesting. It's the same. He When he plays guitar, he looks like when Bruce Springsteen does, where it looks like he's just chopping wood. <laughs> yeah. I recently rewatched the Nirvana, um, I guess you can call it documentary, but uh, I watched a montage of Heck. Uh, I recently rewatched it because I I feel like a uh, spiritual connection to Kurt Cobain, which might sound creepy to some people, but whatever, we're both Pisces, deal with it. Um, And That's not the weirdest thing someone said about Kurt Cobain today. Okay. Oh, cool. I'd love to hear what that actually is. Oh no, I just meant in general. I don't general. know. But um, we could look on the internet and find it. I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, they were doing a little like pre-interview of a concert or something with the band, and it was like, "Hi, I'm Kurt. I write all the songs, and I play guitar, and I sing." And then they get to uh, Dave, and it's like he's like, "Hi, I'm Dave. I play the drums." And then they move right along, and then they and then Dave's like, "And I sing sometimes." <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was just the most Dave Grohl moment because he like really wanted to be a front man so bad. The, I mean, all the Foo Fighters is is an amazing drummer saying, I can be a front man too, watch. Yeah, and yeah. Being watch really me, mom. Good at it. mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, He's so well, good. That's the point of, you know, Phil Collins too, but whatever. <laughs> oh, so true. Oh, Don Henley, all of them, all these Ooh. drummers who want to be front men. Yeah. Wait, Henley's a drummer? Henley yeah, was a drummer Don for Henley's the drummer. Eagles. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. How the, did you not? What? Well, okay. The one time I saw the Eagles, he did not come within 15 feet of the drum kit. Not once during what? the entire show. That's fair. That's true. Later later days, Eagles. Oh, okay. There were like 15 people on that stage, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Eagles? Yeah, later they, days, Eagles. The like, Eagles was a Eagles. small cult. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was mostly about the Eagles. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> now I want to watch if, it. You're not missing much. If people want to find me on the internet, you can find yeah. me at bscores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, and then with an underscore after the S. I've explained why in the past. Don't worry about it. I'm just anal. Uh, and if you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter at, at @IntuitPod. You can find us on Facebook at I think you'd be into it, um, and you can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, which also tends to come through my account. So you could probably find my Instagram that way as well. Um, yeah, I have nothing to plug per usual because once again, there is no industry. Um, though I did read that like. Uh, er- leaked early Lionsgate document of like measures they were considering for COVID and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, production's going to be wild, y'all. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. There are going to be so many PAs that get screamed at because they're expected to be nurses and they're not. My favorite oh, line God. that was like down, it was down in the in the notes section where they were like still working things out and one of the questions was like, oh, it was like every pod should have a quarantine supervisor. Uh, who should this be? Should it be a PA? Should it be a medic? And I was like, I'm a PA and let me tell you, you should not be hiring me for the same job you're considering a medic for. Yeah, <laughs> My dumbass no. is not qualified on the same level. Yeah. I'm a PA and I barely know how to do the Heimlich maneuver and CPR. So Yeah, it's not a good idea. But anyway, um I'm an accountant and I'm terrible at math. That's true. Well, that's a different issue we gotta talk about. Because you should be good at math for most that. of the time he just puts things into spreadsheets. He doesn't have to oh, do math. That's fine. Yeah. I also shouldn't be an accountant, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. We can't get hey, into you know what? Our music music involves variety. numbers. Accounting involves no. numbers. That's true. I have always sort of looked at me at, at music as like sound math. It's All sound right, math. Nerd. <laughs> Speaking of music, thank you as always to Kaylin West, Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album. Falling is like flying. Uh, she's great. Go check her out. That's all I got. You may continue your bit. Oh, now you got no bits. Now you're bitless. Ah, Kaylee, my boy, uh, and <laughs> love will come. I had such hope for a moment. For every pod, the best pods and casts are. He's not going to resolve it because that's what he talked about. Yeah, that's fair. I just <laughs> leaned. I just leaned on a piece of furniture. I was blown away. You know, okay, we didn't talk about this. Maybe use it as an extra sound bite or something or to tease the episode. Oh, yeah. But Don's definitely, like, psychic, right? Like, he has these visions of people who 
have passed that come to him, he's got a little bit of psychic going on. I think that's just metaphors. Nah. I I think you maybe have now entered into a Mad Men related fugue state. I think he's a Pisces moon and he's psychic. (laughs) What? I was like, I think I was like, all right, now you're actually now you're just getting into some Pisces shit. Okay. I I think Kaylee has maybe watched Mad Men one too many times now. (laughs) Oh, maybe something else. They're my only friends. (laughs) Nah. Please don't cut your nipple off. I would never. I love my nipples way too much. I, uh, you're right though. Like I'm rewatching Psych, which is my favorite show of all time. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good procedural. I'm rewatching it for like the fourth time, and I'm thinking about how like the things I was thinking about last time I watched it, and like the different things I'm noticing this time I'm watching it. And like mm-hmm. you do, like I know every single one of those episodes, but like I get something different out of it every time I rewatch every it. Every time, and you yep. know, sometimes I'm like, what should I get Sam for his birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely fine. I'm totally fine. <laughs> okay, and all that being said, <laughs> podcast over. The moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life are free. The stars belong to everyone. They gleam there for you and me. The flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine, and love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. The best things in life are free.